0: Well, this summer, we are looking at the book of Philippians, this New Testament book of Philippians that the Apostle Paul wrote to this early church. And we have been discovering uh, in the midst of difficulty that it is actually possible to find joy, that in trouble we can find joy. And remember, when the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, uh, remember what his circumstances are? He's in prison, right? He is in trouble. And yet, as you read the pages of Philippians, his heart is overflowing with thanksgiving and joy. It's just there. It's remarkable. And so the theme for this series has been finding joy in the journey. We live in this world of trouble We live in this world where we are constantly facing difficulty, how are we going to find joy in the journey of life? And listen, I hope that we realize how important this is because a lot of people, and I would say, including a number of people here today, may wonder about Christianity and faith and think, yeah, you know, it's it's fine for you to believe those things. I'm totally okay with you believing what you believe. But if I believe those things, what's it actually going to accomplish for me? How's it it gonna function in my life? What What benefit is going to come to me if I believe what you believe, if I cross over into faith? Every single one of us is facing some kind of trouble right now. It's a fact. We see the trouble in the world. Just as I was uh, talking with a friend of mine, a friend that I went to high school with moved to Houston three months ago. Three months ago. And now trouble is not only at his doorstep, but it's in his house. And the sad part is is that we know that as we move on from this and as we clean up from this, there will be other things that come that grab our attention, that we will need to respond to seems to keep happening. And so how does Christianity, how does the gospel function in our lives in the midst of all of this? Right. It's a very important question for us to kind of settle in our hearts. Because it can, the answer should be that it can lead to joy. It can lead to a place where we can experience joy on the journey of this life. And so what I hope we'll consider today is how what we believe can, how it can actually impact our future, that what we believe now can impact our future and, in fact, reset the goals that we have in life, that what we believe can reset the most important goals that we have in life. I don't know how many of you are familiar with John Krakow uh, but he's this great author who's written um, a number of books. He was a writer for Outside Magazine, um, but he's written this incredible book called Into Thin Air, and it documents this failed, uh, in many ways, failed expedition to the top of Mount Everest in 1996 that he was actually a part of. And in the book, he mentions a member of the expedition named Yasuku Namba. She was a 46-year-old Japanese FedEx employee uh, who had a passion for climbing. And she was a very accomplished climber. She had already reached the summits of the seven largest peaks on the planet. All that was left was to get to the top of Everest, the tallest in the world. And she desperately wanted this. This was her goal. And so so much so that Krakauer noticed it throughout the entire expedition. And he says this about her. He said Yusuko was totally focused on the top. It was almost as if she was in a trance. She pushed extremely hard, jostling her way past everyone to the front of the line. She wanted to get to the top of Everest. And later that day, she made it. She accomplished her goal. She was the oldest person ever to get to the highest point in the world. But later in that afternoon, that same afternoon, Yasuko and a number of other climbers were caught in a terrible blizzard. And as the icy winds blew, Yasuko succumbed to the exhaustion of her climb and froze to death. She died agonizingly close in time and location to where she had gained her greatest prize. And according to Krakauer, Yasuko's fatal flaw was that she lived with the wrong goal. Her goal had been to get to the top of the mountain. And as experienced climbers know, the goal of climbing should never be to get to the top of a summit. Successful climbers know that the goal is not to get to the top, it is to get back down to the bottom. The tragedy was that that goal had overwhelmed her. It changed everything about her present that distorted and ruined the future. And you see, Whatever you and I, this was the picture of Everest there. Whatever you and I set as our goals is going to impact the way we live our life now. Our present situation is determined by what we set as the most important goal of our life. What we believe about the future directly impacts our present, our now. And so today, I want us to kind of take a very wide view of the Christian life. And I want us to see how the gospel speaks to the past, the present, and the future of the Christian life. The past, the present, and the future of the Christian life. And so first, let's look at the past. And to do that, I want us to kind of circle back to um, to what Pastor Dudley was leading us through last week as we were looking at the righteousness of Christ in Philippians 3 and how that was matched up or put up aside uh, the righteousness of Paul and all of the good things and traits that he had, the accomplishments that he had in his past. Look with me again at Philippians 3, verse 7. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or look on the screen, but Paul writes this. But whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. It's pretty strong words from Paul. And the passage that Pastor Dudley led us through last week is one of the strongest stretches of the New Testament. And just for a moment, I'd like us to kind of imagine what it would be like if we had our entire lives in proper order. Can you imagine if your entire life was in proper order? What would it be like to throw off all of your burdens, all the things that weigh you down, that take too much of our attention, the things that we know aren't good for us? What if they just disappeared, right? and we are free to move forward you ever dreamed about that kind of life if that happened we think well then certainly i would be ready to move forward in life towards all of the goals all of the things that i want to do all the ways god wants to use me i could move forward and do it gosh if i could just ever get back to that to that point that sweet spot can you imagine that well here's my temptation that when things begin to overwhelm me, when trouble comes into my life and I feel like kind of trouble is winning in my life, I become fixated on getting back to normal. Right? If I could just get back to neutral, I'll be okay. And when that happens, God, then you can use me however you want. I will, I'll be finally free to not think and worry about all these things, to do all of these things for the kingdom that I've been wanting to do, that I know you've been wanting me to do, if I could just get there. But here's the thing, the gospel speaks to our past, to the past, which means it reminds us that all we have, all that we have that matters is Christ. We have him, that is what we have gained. Everything else pales in comparison. Paul actually calls it garbage, it just doesn't matter. And this is quite the thing for someone to come to embrace in life because if we do, it does change everything. From the very beginning of creation, this has kind of been our struggle as men and women. We have been kind of consumed with the idea of taking credit for things or boasting in our accomplishments, dominating over others, Trying to put ourselves in the place of God. That's what Adam and Eve were doing in the garden. And that's how sin came into their lives and into the world, and how it takes shape in our lives. And it makes us believe that, you know what? I think I'm maybe fine on my own. Maybe I can do this on my own through my accomplishments, the, the things that I'm good at. Maybe I can determine what's right or wrong for me, but we know as we look through the scriptures and into our own lives that that only leads us to hurt one another, to hurt ourselves, and to sin against God. And the bad news of the gospel is that that sin has created this holy separation between us and God that we cannot bridge on our own. But the good news of the gospel is that into that void, God himself has come to us. He's come to us in Jesus Christ to show us what it looks like to actually live a life fulfilling all of God's laws and to live in such a way where he is fully and perfectly united to God. And through that perfect life he then becomes the perfect sacrifice for our sin to bridge that gap. And on the cross our sin is punished. It's punished by being put on Jesus so that we don't have to be punished. And that is certainly good news but the good news doesn't stop there because in the resurrection of Jesus what we then have is this picture that death no longer has power over us. That we no longer have to fear that great fear of death. That now we have ourselves the same hope that like Jesus was resurrected, one day we will be resurrected. That we have this great gift of eternal life with God. That's what the death and resurrection of Jesus gives to us if we believe. And that gift of our sins being taken care of and covered by Jesus and the hope of eternal life with God, that gift then becomes the goal of the Christian life. By recognizing that, that that's our past, that our lives are now part of God's eternal family is the link that shows us our future. And if you come to believe that and truly embrace that, that your past has been changed, then you're ready to live life with Jesus now. And it will change your present. It will change everything about right now. And so, secondly, the gospel speaks to the present, to the now. Look with me at Philippians 3 and verse 10. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And In verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Paul is saying something drastic has happened to me. Christ, has taken hold of me. He's grabbed hold of me. Paul didn't seek Jesus out. If you're familiar with the story of how Paul became a Christian and was converted, he was on the road to Damascus to actually stamp out and persecute Christians. And on the road, Jesus appears. And he is struck down, he is blinded. He has this incredible moment of conversion where Jesus takes hold of Paul. And so if anyone understands what it means to have Christ take hold of them, it's Paul. He knows what he's talking about. Since I've been taking hold, taking hold of, everything changes. Now I want to share in the death of Christ and I want to share in his resurrection. And what did that do for Paul? It changed his life. It set him out in the now, in the present, to do Something entirely different than what he was doing before. To literally be used by God to bring the same message to the ends of the earth. You know, some of you have some pretty remarkable stories of conversion, of how God has grabbed hold of you, living one way, or the experiences and circumstances of life were. were were so difficult, and God came in and grabbed hold of you, took hold of you, and now you have been living in a a whole hard different life. And if that's your story, then you know what Paul is saying. Uh, But that's not all of our stories. And whether you think you have a story like Paul or a testimony like that or not, uh, I don't. I'm what they call a, a covenant kid. And that just means that from the very beginning, when I was baptized as an infant, from then, I've believed. I've just, it's always been a part of my life. It's something that, yeah, I've had seasons where I've had some doubts or some questions, but it's just always been a part of my life. And I know that's the story of some of you as well. And if that's your story, the same is true. Christ has taken hold of you. Christ has taken hold of me And that means that everything else should be different. That something drastic has happened to us that sets us on a new course for our life in the present. Can you see that for yourself? Can you say that that is true of me? That I feel the the hand of Christ on my shoulder? Because if you do, if you can come to a place where you settle that and you embrace that, that it means that you're headed somewhere. That you are headed somewhere with Jesus. And the temptation for those who do believe is to at times think that we've arrived. Well, I believe these things. I'm here, aren't I? It's Sunday morning. It's Labor Day weekend. I'm here. I've arrived. But look at what Paul says in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You see, the gospel speaks into our present how we are to live now by telling us that we have not arrived yet, that you and I have not arrived yet, and so we are called to press on, to run on, to race towards the goal. Because you can't have one without the other, and I want us to, to see this for just a moment. If you try and press on and run the race of life without recognizing all that God has done for you, that he has settled your past, if you try to run the race of life without embracing that, then you won't have the resources to do it. You won't have the strength. You'll not have no help to run the race of life. You will be on your own, and we know how that always ends. But if you, the opposite is true. If you think that God has settled everything for you and you believe the right things and you have eternal life and you're going to heaven and you don't really have this race to run now, that there's not really this prize to move forward to, then you are missing out on the gospel truly transforming you now. You see, the Christian life is not just about getting somewhere one day to be with God. It's about letting God's power change and transform us now as we look forward to that day. And this is something that Paul is always talking about in the New Testament. He's talking about fighting the good fight and running the race. Look at this, what he writes to his protege, Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold These strong words, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And in verse 13 of our passage today in Philippians, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's a couple of words that stick out there, right? Words like press on, we don't say that often. Straining, taking hold of something. These are strong kind of action words. And when we hear those things, we naturally uh, think of uh, athletes, and climbers and races and contests and fights and all that. And Paul uses a lot of those images, so it's okay to think about those images. But what does it mean for a single woman in her 70s to strain towards the goal to win the prize? Maybe it leads her to a deeper prayer life. Maybe it leads her to care for others around her who are ill. Maybe it leads her to come alongside those that are transitioning into a new season of life, a new season of retirement. Or maybe it's her straining to hold on to the promises of God when she faces her own health issues or even her own loneliness. What if you're an empty nest couple in your 50s? and life is changing now, what does it look like to strain towards the goal, to win the prize? Maybe for the first time in your life you have a little bit more margin, right? A little more time, maybe even a little more money to do something different, to step out, to risk some things, to spend more time giving to your community or to your church, to give more of your time and resources. What does it look like to strain towards the goal to win the prize. And if you're a young couple with small kids like me, what does straining towards the prize look like? And maybe it's just making it to the end of the day, right? And you think that's, that's my great goal. Right? But maybe it's for us dads to really commit ourselves to be present in the life of our families, Maybe it's to us dads to commit to taking on the spiritual leadership of our families. To make sure that our families, our kids, our wives are growing in the relationship with Christ. Because here's the thing, I mean, if we want our kids to be interested in Jesus, how is it gonna happen? How is it gonna happen? The only way it happens is if they are being led and that takes us believing that it is worth it, that it is worth straining towards that goal. You see, the Christian life is meant to be lived now because Jesus has taken hold of us. He's taken hold of you, and so now we reach back in response and take hold of him as we go towards the prize. But finally, the gospel speaks to our future, to the past, to the present But to the future and it may be helpful for us to know exactly what the goal is what is the prize that paul is moving towards what is the christian's great prize and the answer is simply this it is christ it is christ himself more of him that's what paul says i want to know more and more christ that is our great prize that one day the Lord Jesus will come again and all that is broken in this world will be put back together again. All will be made new in our lives and in the world. That is the day, that is the prize that Paul sees that is worth straining towards, that everything in his life is moving towards and that's our hope as well. Paul says it in Philippians three, a little bit later in verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven And here it is, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. There's the prize, that one day he will come again and make everything new, even our bodies. And so this is what we look forward to. Can you imagine if that was the goal of our lives? What would change? If this was the great prize, the great goal that you set at the very center of your life, how would everything change? How would everything revolve and orbit around that? Has what God has done for your past and what God's doing in your present changed your life? Has it brought you to value and see that prize? If it has, I think you'll begin to see two things, two marks of your Christian life um, become more and more prominent. The first is that we will be moving toward maturity. We will be moving toward maturity. If you are pressing on towards the prize, you will grow. You will mature in your faith. It absolutely will happen. In verse 15 of Philippians 3, He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. If you take this view, if you believe these things, then you will be mature. We do it by valuing the prize. And this is not an instantaneous thing. This is something that is worth following and chasing after for a lifetime. J.R.R. Tolkien, who is the author, of course, of the great books The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings in the 20th century, uh, did not set out actually to write this great epic story about Middle Earth. He first started out kind of down that path uh, when he came across this old English manuscript that had an old poem with this phrase Middle Earth in it. And it just kind of nestled into his brain and stayed there when he was 22 years old in 1914. Three years later, in 1917, he wrote The Fall of Gondolin, which was kind of the first story of his fantasy works. Then, 13 years later, 1930, he began telling his children a bedtime story about this strange, funny creature called a hobbit. Seven years later, his book titled The Hobbit was published. After that, the publisher immediately asked Tolkien for a sequel. And so 12 years later, in 1949, he finally completed the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And then the trilogy wasn't even published for five more years until 1954. In other words, from the time that he first saw the phrase Middle Earth to the time that his masterpiece about Middle Earth was published, it took Tolkien 40 years of creative effort. 40 years. I love that story. Because remember when Paul said, I know I haven't arrived yet. I haven't got there. I'm pressing on. Even I, the Apostle Paul, have not arrived at the goal. I still have maturing and growing to do. This is not the light switch that we just flip on. This is a lifetime of following Jesus and moving toward maturity, becoming more and more like him. That's what begins to happen when we value the prize. But secondly, the other mark is that we begin to live the gospel. We live the gospel. Verse 16, Paul says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. It's already happened for us. It has already been done for us in Jesus and now we live it. So whether you are a, single woman in your 70s trying to strain towards the prize, whether you are an empty nest couple in your 50s straining towards the goal, the prize, or whether you're a young couple with small kids, we are called to live the gospel, the past, the present, the future because we have been taken hold of by Christ. His hand is on our shoulders, we are his, and now our response is to reach back and say, I am yours, you are mine, I'm following you. I will press on and strain towards this great goal of knowing you and waiting for you to come again. That's our great hope. That's what we celebrate when we come to this meal. Would you pray with me as we make our way there to not just hear about it, but to now celebrate and taste and see the goodness of God to us, our past, our present, and our future. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks that as we look out into a world of trouble, we recognize that the route to joy is only found in you, true lasting joy. Lord, our circumstances vary. They go up and they down. Happiness comes and it goes, but joy is found in you. And Lord, it comes by recognizing what you have accomplished for us, by what you're doing in our life now, what you're calling calling us to now, and by looking at the great goal, the great prize, that you are coming again and that we will have life with you. Lord, let that picture change everything about our present, and may it even help us to understand more of our past and what you've done for us. God, as we come to your table now, may we be encouraged in all of this, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.